Cincinnati. Welcome to the jungle! to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trenopole and as always i bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of jackpot joey burrow shooter mcpherson and the afc north champion cincinnati Bengals. also the undefeated cincinnati reds i'm just putting it out there they're undefeated they're 1-0 gotta celebrate when you can now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up i'm up to 1550 subscribers you guys are awesome i appreciate every single one of you guys so if you're watching on youtube or twitter and you're not subscribed to my channel on youtube why not please go to youtube channel sports with strawberry ice hit the subscription button hit the bell for the notification and every time i go live you'll be notified also exclusively in the YouTube chat crew. We're doing super chats. So if you want to make sure your comment gets read or you got a really important question you want to 
ask John the Brain Sheeran, as Crypt Keeper always calls him, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Uh, check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. What's up to everybody in the chat crew? We got Tim, we got Royal Flush Terry, Fox is in there, Lindsay's in there, uh, Crip, you're in there, Strangers in there, Bagel Brown's in there. Welcome, welcome to one and all to the fun Friday show we're having today. All right, so news of the day the Bengals signed Trey Flowers. And it looks like we might have some positioning of where the indoor practice facility could go. I don't know. It's looking like it's getting a little closer. Who knows? But for all the up-to-date and latest Bengals news, you know, you got to check out Cincy Jungle. And of course, you have to check out the Orange and Black Insider Podcast and John, the Brain, Sheeran. What's going on, John? Quite the plug there. Didn't have to do any work myself. Yeah, you, you come on the show. I I I try to help you out there, man. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you guys. Yeah. So what's been what's been going on? You've been you've been busy, you know, covering the Bengals, hanging out, you know, what's up? Oh yeah, they've done nothing but you know make news the past two weeks. I've been just been just drowning in all the stuff we have to do. It's been <laughs> nice um for them not doing anything. I've been a little under the weather the last week or so. It just always happens. This time of year when it's like 50, but it still kind of wants to be cold, but also right. wants to be hot. It's just classic Cincinnati stuff. So we're, we're doing good, though. We're doing good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it can't, it can't decide if it wants to be spring or if it wants to be snow or, I mean, winter again. So, and yeah. I always say this, like, if there's no football, I want summer. If we got football, <laughs> I'll take the cold. If it ain't football, then give me summer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So, Trey Flowers uh, got signed, and I, I think this is a good move. I mean, this is the news. It's one year, uh, $1.85 million contract. I, I, I'm very happy with it. I, I've been tweeting out saying this is the, I, I don't like, I, I don't want to say final piece to the puzzle, but as far as players that of their own that they uh, should re- resign, other than maybe Larry Ogunjobi, but I don't really think that's going to happen. I think we're getting farther, farther, far away from that. But I think they have resigned pretty much everybody that they wanted to sign that was on their t- team last year. Yeah, I think it's the last one, at least before the draft. I think with Ogan Joby, it could be something where they enter the draft wanting a defensive tackle. If they don't get one, then that door maybe opens back up. But again, that's that we have to wait and see what about that. But as far as before the draft, I think, yeah, you're right. He's like Trey Flowers is that final piece that they wanted to retain and get back into the equation while they're planning for the draft. And I guess it took the longest to get to. So yeah, it's one. Point eight million dollar deal with like a five hundred five hundred thousand dollars signing bonus, but the incentives make it a max value of like two point six million, and that's if he just plays enough snaps during the season. And I think that's why it took so long because he's just such an interesting case where he right. was like this cornerback that was drafted by this by the Seahawks four years ago, didn't work out there in, in that scheme of defense, and then he was waived by the team in like the middle of last season, the Bengals picked him up basically said, okay, you're not going to be a boundary cornerback anymore. You're going to be a guy who matches up with tight ends like, as an overhang defender, this, this versatile chess piece. And he really excelled in that role. So he's just not your traditional, typical cornerback. And there's a chance that he plays even more now, but that there's openings in the cornerback position room in general. So I think just the intricacies of how unique of a player he is and the role that he plays. I think that's why, may have took a little a minute to negotiate this deal and work it out and i think it's it's totally fair for the player that he is and the upside that he brings and now he can make a little bit more on top of it if he plays enough 
Yeah, exactly. And I, he made a tremendous difference. I mean, for years, we always kept wondering, can the Bengals ever cover a tight end until Trey Flowers got there? And my God, he can cover them. And you, we need him. I mean, he is a – I'm not trying to overstate this, but he, it is a really big signing as far as the scheme goes with the Bengals defense and with the, the teams that they play. I mean, we play pretty a lot of pretty good tight ends in our own division, and having him back to be able to cover them – is is a is a huge pickup. Well, it's like it goes back to at least from my memory, at, at least ten years of like when they need someone to match up with these guys because right. like Titans really started taking over the league when like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez um uh, yeah. started breaking into the scene. <laughs> and I remember like it, that's when their linebackers were still terrible. That's when their safeties were still kind of average and whatnot. And like the mock drafts would be filled with guys at the top of the draft, like oh they, they need like tight end erasers and whatnot with premium picks. And the answer is this guy who was available in the middle of the season and it's now signing for barely more than vet minimum. So like the skill set, it, it's rare, but the, the the type of player like you can find him. It's just a matter of actually going out there and, and evaluating it and, and and you know bringing him in and making sure that he fits within the system. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah, it's it's a it's a perfect match i mean the, for what his skill set is and what the Bengals uh, uh ask him to do and, and they, they put him in you gotta give credit to lou and Arumo. he put him in the best positions to succeed and that was one of the issues i had with lou the prior year that i kept thinking he was putting guys not in the best positions to succeed but again i'll throw my hand up i was completely wrong about about lou and I, he's found a, a diamond in the rough i think with with trey flowers and, and where he's put him and like I said, in the positions he puts him in to, to succeed. And that's, you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah. And with Lou, a lot of people, I think 98% of people were wrong about him in general. Yeah. It was because like he didn't have like the proper personnel to fulfill the vision that he wanted. But the thing with him is that, okay, they spent 200 million on this defense. Like they, they better damn well have the right <laughs> personnel now to fulfill what he wants. But with Flowers, I think it's a case of a, a, a miscast, the guy he was casted off from his former team. And he's a guy that he identified or, who, or whoever like was in the scouting department to make that decision as, as well. But he was a guy that wasn't wanted for from his old team, but didn't fit. And then they found him and they made him fit and they allowed him to thrive in a role that, that he succeeded. So that is a major win for Anarumo to find someone that wasn't expensive, that wasn't like at the top of free agency lists and whatnot. Just a guy who they bought low and they reaped the value of it. And now they're getting more out of them. Yeah, exactly. And, and that isn't that the... I don't want to say the, I guess the Bengal way, but I mean the new Bengal way where, where they're getting the most out of their players and they're not costing them a ton of money, but they're not being cheap either. So that it's, it's a new Bengal contract negotiations or however you want to, you want to put it. I think it's a new philosophy that they're, they're, they're having here. I think they've always prioritized value and just buying, I don't want to say like buying low, but signing these guys at the point where they're they're still ascending and you can maximize the value of these players on these contracts because they haven't reached their full potential and you're paying for maybe like B-level talent and then you're getting A-level production out of it. And the Trey Hendrickson is like the perfect example. But I think now they're just, they've never been this hot at player evaluation. I'm just looking at the roster right. like they don't have a lot of bad players and that's insane to think about right. because they were they were a 2 and 14 team 2 years ago but up and down the roster 64 players there's not a lot of guys who you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable out there playing at least some type of a minor role they've just been 
on this incredible streak of player evaluation and getting the right guys in, into the building, but they're not expensive guys. They're not the top of the market guys all the time. That's never right. going to be them. This is the way that they win. Like this is how they win. If you want to right. quote uncut gems there. Yeah, I mean, another guy you can throw into that is, is is Eli Apple. And I know people bang on him or whatever, but let's be honest. I really think Eli Apple, if the Bengals hadn't signed him last year, was pretty close to maybe being out of the out of the league. And now he's went from that to, to, to being a potential. I mean, who knows what happens in the draft and if they sign another corner, but potential being another starting cornerback, you know, for the Bengals again this year. And the thing is, he has improved on his tackling, which he wasn't a very good tackler. That's what was a wrap on. He got better tackling. He got a little better cover. He still got burnt. I mean, I don't get it wrong. He still got burnt. He's not your upper echelon cornerback, but he played a lot better. And I give credit to Lou Anarumo for that and coaching him up. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't the first time that he was with Anarumo, but you just wonder like how, how there's so many variables that go into whether or not a player is a quote unquote bust or not. Right, and right. with Apple, he was a first round pick and there was so many, so much expectations and you can throw in like William Jackson, the third in there too, is like another guy with a lot of expectations based off draft status. And then these players, they're more or less, they are who they are. And it's just a matter of if they're a product of the NFL draft machine, hyping them up and, and scouts and teams, like making them out to be more than what they are. Like Eli Apple ha hasn't really changed that much from what he was in 2021 to what he was in like 2019 necessarily. Right. But if you put him in a role in a scheme that's better for him and whatnot, like you can minimize the the deficiencies in his game where he's still he's still Eli Apple at the end of the day. Right. And you just have to live with that. But like it's a much better player within a controlled environment compared to um, him in, in, a, in a different place where he didn't really fit in, like with the Saints and the Panthers and whatnot. So Eli Apple still Eli Apple, but. All, all it takes is just one fit. It's just one fit right, that you can right. find, and then you can pop off a great career with that, and maybe you're, you're not viewed as this bust that you were uh, four years previously. So it really just depends on if you find that team where you where you thrive in, but there's 30, 31 other teams where you may not, then you're viewed as a bust. Yeah, and I kind of tie that into the Tyler Lindebaum, uh, 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 just don't say controversial, but discussion. Yeah. And, I, and, and since he's, he's only a center, He's only, you know, he does the zoom blocking just like the Bengals do. There's only certain teams that'll want a guy like that. And there's only certain teams where he could thrive at. And that's why I keep just banging the table. If he's at there at 31, he's perfect for the Bengals. I think at center and you kick Ted Karras over to left guard, which Ted Karras is actually played better at left guard than he has center. So you're putting both of them at their maximum positions to thrive in. And to me, you got five studs in your, in your offensive line. And John, if, if that happens, I was hoping we'd sign two free agents, you know, get two. Uh, we might replace everybody except Jonah Williams if, if, if this happens. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't even know if that was the, the plan going into it, but you look at who they have either lost or didn't bother bringing back. Like that's, it's already three fifths of the offensive line right now, mm -hmm. including Quinn Spain, who they haven't resigned at country Hopkins. They're not bringing back Riley. Reef. He might just retire and they obviously replaced whoever was at right guard. So it's just Jonah Williams left there with, with Linderbaum. So, yeah, he's like a center only, and that doesn't necessarily help his status. But, like, I mean, just because you're proficient in zone blocking doesn't mean that the rest of the league wouldn't necessarily want you. Like, I mean, zone's still incredibly common and popular right. amongst other NFL schemes. But, yeah, the, the lack of positional versatility and maybe the lack of overall physical build, it limits his projection to moving to, like, guard and whatnot. But, I mean, Jeff, 
one thing that kind of gets on my nerves with Linderbaum, and I'm not here to say that he's like the next great center in the NFL. I, right. I think it's a little bit unfair, yeah. but I, I saw a guy that the Browns had for many years and Alex Mack completely thrive within the AFC North. And it's very, it's a very shockingly similar build and athleticism profile. And there's not a ton of guys who are built like that with only like 32, 31 and a half inch arms who can also move like that and, and still succeed in the NFL. But Mac was definitely one of them. And I think Linderbaum is as talented as Mac was coming out of Cal, like what, like 2007, 2008. So right. we've seen it happen before. And I think that's a very weird knock on Linderbaum. Like he's not big enough or physical enough to handle what, what we still perceive to be the AFC North. I, I think it's a little bit ludicrous to me. Yeah. And, and the thing is, which, I like beginning of when the, after Super Bowl ended, you know, Linderbaum was the, was the guy, you know, that, that's, that's what everybody wanted. And, and then he, he kind of shot the boards and then they found out he had short arms and then he kind of dropped back. Well, what's scaring me now is people like me and like you are talking about him more. So I wonder if he's going to shoot back up. Not that NFL scouts or anybody are listening to us, but other people are talking about it too. They're, you know, more well-known than us are talking about it. If he would shoot back up and might, and maybe not be there at 31. And if he's not, then I think to take it a cornerback, but I, I, what, what's your thoughts on, on all that? It's like, the, the, I, I don't believe that like us, we impact players. I know. I don't think, no, I don't think we do, but I mean, uh, like people in NFL network and uh, you know, scouting people and all they're talking about that. That's where I get my information from. So sure. Like if you see, you know, People who make mock drafts who are continuously in in the know, like you have your Jeremiah's, you have Charles right. Davis's right. of the world, you even have Mel Kiper and whatnot. Like, like they make their mock drafts with the purpose of being accurate, knowing what they know in certain circles. And I think they realize that Linderbaum, he's still the consensus number one center. He still has a first round grade attached to him for for most of the NFL. But it's just a case of who needs us, who needs a center who needs a center more than other positions who needs a center more than the other, these other guys who have first round grades attached to them. Then you have the aspects of teams trading back up in the, into the first round for quarterbacks. And then that's how you get someone of Linderbaum's cali- caliber to slide. And then you see the Bengals at 31 who could still need or could use another interior offensive lineman. And that's why that fit makes sense when they're building these mock drafts in general. So I, I don't know how much his quote unquote stock has, has really fluctuated. I think it's really just a case of people in the media catching up to what people in the NFL have already been on for right. a while now. And that's kind of how we see this fluctuation of this roller coaster of draft stock that we'd like right. to get attached to. But I think he's always been, in that early, in that mid to late first conversation, it's just a matter of just trying to connect all the dots with what other, other teams need. Yeah, and and just clarify, I wasn't saying because you and me are talking about the NFL scouts. Right. Oh my God, John and Jeff are talking about this. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know we don't have that much influence, but I'll get the get some of the uh, chat crew in here. Lindsay's like uh, giving a shout out to to Randall in the in the background there for, for you. <laughs> there you go, Randall says thanks. <laughs> and Natty, and this kind of goes upon what you were just talking about. What's more pressing need o-line cornerback defensive tackle or edge rusher so like just the basic general question like what's the most pressing need like they need someone behind bj hill because mm-hmm. because they have they no one have anybody right and they need an answer at left guard but they at least have potential answers at that spot if you were to like play football right now with 22 starters you, d- you don't know who is starting that left guard. And that's like, I think that that's still something that we kind of have to get over. Like, th- like the Bengals in their mind, like they have bodies to mm-hmm. compete at that spot. 
and that impacts like the plans that with the draft, I would think. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have the bodies to compete at defensive tackle right. behind the like because BJ Hill and DJ Reader, like those are fine starters, but like they, they lost a lot of snaps with the 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 departure of Le- of Larry Ogunjobi, even if he would not be starting, like there's still a rotation that exists there. There's still fronts where you have five defense five defensive line and three defensive tackles in there. So like the most pressing need to me is probably defensive tackle. But again, that doesn't mean that it's enough where you would reach for one, maybe in the first round or even the second round. Like you, you still have to play the draft right. for what it is. But like the most pressing need is probably one of those two because you're just you're completely unsure at this point with both of them. Yeah, I agree with you that. And I agree with your point too is the defensive tackle. There might not be a guy there that's worth taking at 31. I mean, if Wyatt is there from Georgia, absolutely I'm taking him. But I there's I think there's slim to none chance that, that he's going to be there. And I think everybody else is that you know, that's in the upper echelon is going to be gone by the time uh, they get to us too. So that's where the Bengals have to be smart where, where they could draft the best player available, but don't, but you don't need to reach for it because there's still guys that they can't sign. Cause you got to remember BJ Hill, they got him. Well, like right before the, I mean, literally right before the season started last year. So there's yeah. still time. I mean, there, there's still guys out there that they could potentially sign to, to, to be the, the backup or whatever. Because the thing is, and I think this with the draft, the Bengals will see how the draft falls, and then they're going to go sign to fill in the rest of the gaps with uh, free agents that are left. It's kind of what they did last year, too. Yeah, and uh, I mean, th- there's that angle and aspect for the free agents, too. Like, they want to see, like, w- which teams need, like, certain positions at the end of the draft, too, which is why there's also an argument why the draft should maybe be in front of free agency, because that would benefit... Uh, free agents and getting those deals and whatnot but yeah like that that's certainly um a, a possibility they only have like 64 players on the roster you don't think that they're gonna add 25 or 26 rookies right. so say that say they have like eight picks maybe, maybe like nine or ten if they trade back and then i think in the zach taylor era they've only signed like at most 10 or 11 college free agents in a mm-hmm. single class so that's like 20 rookies that you have to assume are bringing being brought in that's only 84 85 players on the 90 man roster so you have to think that they're purposely purposely leaving open at least a couple spots for that offseason roster and you have to think that at least a couple of them are going to be filled sometime after the draft just to see like just to solidify whatever else hole is is, is available there but there's also the case of you would rather leave some of those holes open for the draft because like there's a lot of attachment to some of these notable names that like defensive tackle and cornerback and whatnot. And I understand that. And like Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, I've got a ton of people saying like, Oh, why, why haven't they gone after these guys? Like these guys can still produce. Yeah. That might be the case. You're also taking on someone who, you know, may have already played his best football may, may not be any good anymore for at least one more year. Right. And why would you want to be attached and promise a role to someone like that? When you can find someone 10 years younger on a four year deal, who's, who's an even better fit, for their scheme. And I think that's what a lot of teams are, are thinking about, honestly, like, yeah, Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston, guys like that stuff. Stefan Gilmore sure is another example of cornerback. Yeah. Their, their talent, they have pedigree attached to those names, but teams are thinking about the, the quality of investment for a much younger player, someone who it can be molded by your culture, by, by your coaching in right. a better fit for your scheme. And I think that just goes into the, the, decision-making process when talking about notable free agents versus just using the draft to fill those spots. Exactly. Now, uh, since I'm bang, I'm kind of curious just myself, but I don't, I don't think he got signed by anybody, but uh, I said, who did honey badger sign with? 
from here. I don't, did he sign with anybody? Not that I know. Uh, there was like a fake report that he signed with San Francisco like a, a few weeks ago, and I kind of ran with it. And I just assumed that he was just he was gone, but I guess he's not. I think he was visiting the Saints, and that was funny though because like I saw a couple tweets from like um, people in New Orleans, and they were doing the same thing that like pe- people in Cincinnati did with Lel. They were like yeah. taking pictures with him and like saying, "Hey, we would love to have you down here." Right. Um, right. So I'm, I don't know if there are negotiations with him right now, but uh, that, that was like the last I heard with Matthew. Okay, uh, Brandon here. He said he just jumped on, and he wants to know how we're, we we kind of talked about this already. But how? how what's your thoughts on how real, realistic it is that Linderbong, Linder Linderbong? I'm going to get his name right one of the times. Linderbong is there at 31. I mean, it, it's realistic as, as anything. Um, it's 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 always funny. Like, oh, like a guy's never going to be there. You know, right. like Goodberry had the best tweet about this. <laughs> <laughs> basically his tweet where he analogy. said you, his tweet where he said he said you can't say he's not going to be there to have the, the the discussion on yeah, Twitter. So, yeah so like th- this is the scenario like all right if it doesn't rain tomorrow we're, we're gonna go golfing at 10 no man it's gonna rain tomorrow but if it doesn't we're gonna no it's gonna rain all right all right you freaking meteorologist fine it's gonna rain all right fine i guess linderbaum's not gonna be there right. if you say so i ran ten thousand mock simulations and nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine don't have him there <laughs> Exactly, exactly. People, crazy. People ask me that all the time. What do you think? Well, hell, I don't know. I hope he's going to be there. I mean, it just depends on what people pick in front of him. I, like I said, now, I, I keep I saying, I, good. I don't think that there's going to be like a bong video of Linder Mom. That's why he's going to fall. But you know, anything could happen. <laughs> no gas masks or nothing like that. No. <laughs> oh, Jesus! All right, let's get to uh, Royal Flush Terry here. He says uh, Josh Tupo and Tyler Shevlin are definitely not great scenario. Or Security blankets for Hill and Reader. Uh, P- Piron Winfrey, a defensive tackle for Oklahoma, is worth considering at 31. What do you think? Sure. Um, I think he's regarded as like maybe a day two guy, but that's also an interesting concept. And just like how how willing are you to um, take on some, some players who you may not feel like are going to be there at 63? Right, and th- that that's where the argument of of a, of a trade down also comes into the equation. Like not just him, like a, like a Kyler Gordon, uh, the cornerback from Washington. If there's like a run on cornerbacks, and you and you feel pretty good about him, but you think there's there's like an outside chance of him being available at 63, but maybe like he's going to be there in like the 30s if you trade back for him. So like I, I don't know a ton about Winfrey. I just know that like I think Dane Brugler has him as a second round pick. PFF has him like as a third round guy. So. Maybe 31 might be a little bit too early, but again, that, that that comes into are you really that desperate to take a defensive tackle where you would potentially reach for one at 31? Is that really the, the spot that you want to be in? Like That's not what teams who go to the Super Bowl think about. They don't think about just filling one spot with your first-round pick. I'll be damned about what the rest of the board looks like. <laughs> exactly. Bengal, Bengal Brown here is calling me out. He says, every day we talk about <laughs> Linderbong, Linderbong, and every day, Jeff says his name wrong. Linderbong. There you go. Bong. Linderbaum. Yeah. Bong. They're bong. bong. There you go. All right. Uh, Crown wants to know, what do you think about uh, Booth? And I want, I want to throw Elam in there, too, because those, those are the two corners I keep hearing the most, either Booth or Elam. I think either would be fine for what they need, and it's just a guy that can develop for a year or, or two or maybe even compete with Eli. I, I think Booth might be – I don't know. I think he's the slightly more polished version. Uh, Elam was phenomenal for Florida as like an underclassman. And then he kind of dropped off a little bit. I think he ran into some issues with penalties. And I think just his overall hand usage kind of gets him into, into trouble 
Whereas with Booth, you have more questions about his athleticism. Right. But it's, uh, like his overall footwork is still fine. It's just like maybe there's some issues with some of that deep speed, which is why, I mean, both these guys have flaws and that's why they're not going to be like early first round picks by any means and why they could one or, or both of them be available with the 31st pick. I think it comes down to preference ultimately. Right. I, I think like Booth to me seems like the more solid player i think everything else is equal with them like they come from great programs they've played against great competition i think they're athletic enough to be worth that pick it just comes down to which type of cornerback you want do you want the long lanky version that you know maybe gets his hands on more or more passes in elam or do you want the more technical version that is less likely to get to get burnt in booth so i think for me i might be leaning more towards booth there but i i don't i don't really um i wouldn't argue with with an elam pick there either all right, and Natty, now this this kind of I think so set up how the how the draft goes. He, he says how many quarterbacks will be taken in the first round is the real question. Which we, I think it's a big thing as far as what happens with the Bengals and who's there and who's not of the quarterbacks. I really do. Yeah, I have no idea. Like Pickett, Willis, Corral. Like honestly, I'm I'm going to be more interested. Uh, Desmond Ritter, come on, John. Desmond Dude, Ritter, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm, go- I'm going to be so much so much more interested in where Ritter goes than what what the Bengals do with the first round pick. Yeah, I mean like, that's already a long wait. It's like a three hour wait to see who's, p- who's picked at thirty first. Like to see if Ritter actually goes into the first round after his entire collegiate career. Like entering this past season, like I didn't think he was going to be anything more than like a mid to late round pick. And then to see him just again, I, I don't know how much his stock has actually changed or if he was always this highly regarded, if he just proved it for one more year. But right. if he actually goes into the first round, I'm going to be kind of hyped regardless of where he goes. <laughs> I got a, uh, five, uh, oh, a 499 super chatter. You're going to try to make me read this name. Daggone it. Uh, Arnold. Arnold. I totally messed that up. Arnold. He, he's. Yeah, I, can't, I, can't I, I can find, I can find the ph- phonetic pronunciation. If you want me to. <laughs> Ebu oh Katie. Ebukati. There you go. Ebukati. There you go. Uh, at 31, he said that dog will hunt. Yeah, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> I think he just wanted to give me to try to read. This. Oh, he's an edge rusher. Okay. From Penn State. Sure. Why go. not? <laughs> I think he just tried to try to give me to, to read the uh read the name. <laughs> I have a hard time. And Satori gave me a bucks. dollar. Thanks, Satori. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. What's up, What's up man? <laughs> all right let's see here uh, okay um blah, blah, blah. all right here we go centauri said 31 is basically a day two the board is so hard to predict at that point yeah no no kidding like <laughs> it's gonna be funny is that because every fan like lives and dies on what uh dave lapham predicts for the Bengals, and he's not gonna like what's he gonna say like before the draft like oh maybe this guy maybe this guy he's gonna be like oh well, we have no idea what the board's gonna be like it's gonna be the most useful or useless uh dave lapham prediction series of all time yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Crown here, and this is when we talk about Ritter. We just don't want to get drafted by the Squealers. That's the that's the one thing I just don't let the Squealers draft him, man. Sure, fine, but I feel like that's a place where he's not going to flame out and bust immediately. Which I mean, if I'm thinking about him, there's a, there's at least that. Yeah. So have you, last time you were on here, you you had a, a rant on on Desiree. Have you changed it at all? Are you still kind of feeling that it's, he's not as good as everybody thinks he is? Or what's your, what's your thoughts on that? So I, I don't think that he's like changed necessarily. I, I think he's a phenomenal person. And I think teams really love that in a potential quarterback. And I think he's a, a fine and OK quarterback. It's like if gun to my head, if I had to invest the first round pick on him, I probably wouldn't. 
Um, I, I don't think that he's, I, I don't think it's likely that he becomes a high quality quarterback. I think it's possible that he eventually develops into a solid quarterback. And if that's worth a first round pick to you, if you're that desperate for a quarterback, so be it. I think he, I think mentally and all the intangibles to, to go down that path, I think he, he's fine and he has it. But like in terms of the actual ability to play quarterback, I, I don't personally see it just yet, but right. I've been pleasantly surprised with how beloved he is within the draft community and, and people who value quarterbacks and people who I trust dearly with their opinions on quarterback play. And he's just universally like a, a, been appraised compared to the rest of this class. And I don't know if that's more of an indictment on the rest of the class, but I, I think he's more loved within the draft community than I thought, which is it's it's pleasantly been surprising to me. Yeah. And the thing is with, with Desmond, I think he's getting his, his leadership ability, I think is the big, the big thing. Cause I heard a story. I listen to lots of podcasts. I, you guys might've said it on OBI. I don't remember, but um, uh, Zach Taylor, uh, when he went in and, and, and was recruiting or scouting uh, Desmond Ritter, Desmond didn't have a quarterback coach. So Desmond yeah. actually got like his friends and players and he set up the, 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 the scouting combine or showcase, whatever you want to call it for, for Zach to come down and watch him. He set that all up with the routes and everything. Desmond set it all up himself. And that's pretty impressive right there in, 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 in of itself. And that's why I think he's such a, a, a revered, you know, team leader and stuff. And, and those are things that are hard to instill in quarterbacks. Now they can fix the rest of it, which if Desmond could ever get off to, to better starts, <laughs> I think it would have helped him out a lot. He's <laughs> such a slow starter. That's what would drive me nuts. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I do remember that anecdote. I, I, don't know if this is true. I might be misremembering, but wasn't it like, like a UC was like his last offer and like, it was because Zach Taylor offered him and that's, yeah. yeah, So that, that's phenomenal. That's a great connection. Yeah. It was, I think it was him and I think it might've been a D2 school or something like that. Yeah. That was it. That's awesome. Capole here. He says, uh, what will the Bengals bridge crew do (laughs) when the practice is moved inside? Well, Bengals bridge crew won't be able to see anything. So (laughs) this is, this is a great, this is a great point. Like, so I guess for anyone who doesn't know, I think Jeff just said it like, like there's a 99% chance at this point that the Bengals are going to have an an interim indoor practice facility. That's going to be ready for the 2022 season. It's going to be placed between the Brent's Spence bridge and the other bridge. that's right next to it. Um, ne- next to the practice fields and the stadiums. But this question is is funny to me because the practice facility, and you can throw in the ring of honor in there, it's been the two things that, that the fan base has been just dying for with this team, and neither one benefits the fan base in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't impact them at all. Right. In, in, in fact, this is a negative for the fan base because then the, now the fans are going to be able to see them practice. Right. It's been so hilarious over the years to see this fan base like obsess over these two things that has nothing to do with their experience as a fan. And if anything, this kind of diminishes it. I, th- I think it's more of the, the get everybody to talk, stop talking so much crap about the Bengals. You know, you don't have this, you don't have that. Shut up. <laughs> we do now. You, you can't say anything else, but I, I've had a couple people ask me, I was like, Hey, what are you going to do if they have an indoor practice facility? I'm like, well, I, same thing I do when they have practice inside the, the stadium. I can't watch it, <laughs> you know? So it happens. Santori is asking, "Will it have indoor plumbing?" It might have porta potties. I mean, it, <laughs> don't don't waste the porta potties at that point. Hell, it's probably got porta potties already there. It's a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> that parking lot is. Uh, I tailgated there for the first time for the playoff game because that's where my cousins uh, usually tailgate, and they had this giant 
uh, Thunderstruck Circle, which oh, is nice. cool. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to people who tailgate there. Again, a negative for the fan base. <laughs> ruins parking, ruins tailgating. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, well, they already say we, the national narrative is we don't have a very good tailgating area. So that's the next thing. That's the next thing everybody's going to get up, up in arms about. They're just going to pivot, you know. There's yeah, always, always going to be a pivot. Yeah, we got to fix the, the tailgate, which I, I beg to differ. I think our tailgating is pretty damn good, I think. Anyway, uh, see, now the Royal Flush Sherry's got another one here. He said, uh, let's not forget that we need depth at safety, which is very true, especially with, uh, you know, the the contracts going around with the the, the – the wide receivers and everything, and Jesse Bates not being signed, Von Bell coming up soon. So this is something that they should address, I think, hopefully in this year's draft, if there's somebody there that's worth drafting. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be at least one of cornerback or safety that's addressed early in the draft, and if it's not cornerback, then I would definitely foresee a safety being picked in the first, at, at, at least four rounds, probably in the top three rounds. It's just like, I don't foresee both Bates and Bell being retained long term. So you have to think that one of those spots needs a long term replacement. That's that really is how they have to look at this draft, like and just drafts in general going forward. You're not going to be able to pay all these guys. It's going to be really hard to pay the rest of the roster when you hopefully have Burrow, Chase and Higgins all extended long term. You have to start thinking uh, financially, like what's the best way of going forward? And with the draft, it's it's getting these positions um, get, getting them young talent, young premium talent under contract for rookie contracts and having them develop so they can be quality starters by the time that some of these guys move on. And that's that's definitely the case with safety. Yeah, and that's just the nature of the beast too. I mean, you're, you're, they're not going to be able to keep everybody. And just for having a championship team and having that that quarterback, you got to be able to keep replenishing the guys that you're going to lose. That's just, that's what the Patriots, I hate to bring out the Patriots, but that's what they do all the time. So these teams that have won multiple Super Bowls do. Now, Catball here comes back and says, uh, with the uh, indoor bubble, he goes, uh, you'll need just need credentials. Make sure <laughs> your pal Jackpot Joey will hook you up. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think I have a shot at getting credentials. I'm I'm not I'm not uh I'm not official. <laughs> I know uh 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 AC got he got credentials at uh Super Bowl. He had a lot of fun out there, look like. Well, he, he's got connections with, inside the locker room. That's that's invaluable. So yeah, I need I need I need to work on that. I don't, I don't know how to get that yet. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go to Brandon here. Uh, fan. Okay, I guess the, this is talk about what you're saying. What they're going to complain about next is that fans are just tired of the national media dogging the Bengals about the indoor practice facility. I know I am, and I was tired of the playoff drought talk. I'm I was tired of all of it. I'm glad we shut them all up. To be honest yeah I, I mean at a certain point like why do you keep listening maybe like i i don't listen to i, I rarely watch ESPN anymore i don't watch yeah. nfl network anymore maybe that's just me but like i don't know it, it, it's always it's, it's always been a weird viewpoint of like insecurity where it's mm-hmm. like i mean i mean you're, you're a Bengals fan you know what this team is you know what it isn't and if people don't bother to learn like the nuances of everything then that's just on them. I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's just been. It's just been years of this. At some point, you just gotta evolve. Yeah, they, they. They should be watching them anyway. They should be watching OBI and Strawberry Ice. Forget. Forget ESPN and, and all that. <laughs> all right. Uh, since that Bengal here says, uh, "What if we end up trading Jesse Bates for draft picks to move up like that, probably to seventeen or 18? So who who's trading for Jesse Bates? You know, like who's who who would trade for anyone? On the, well, on the especially that tag. that high that, that's the thing i was like he's a good he's a good safety but he's we hold him in, in high regard 
but across the league, he's not considered like one of the best safeties. Well, he's considered one of the best, but not the best. You know, I don't, I don't know if anybody would give up a first round pick for him in this draft. No, he'd be an impact player for them. You know, like very rarely would you see the case of like a, a team trading a premium pick for the right to then pay someone long term. Like it's just not something that you see. And I think, I think teams still hold Jesse in, in a high regard, and he would definitely get paid if he were on the open market. But just the fact that he is on the franchise tag, it just makes him. It's just completely unattractive to anyone else right now. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Centauri, and I hope you know who he's talking about. I don't know who Centauri's talking about. I said, if Burks is BPA, would you? Oh, uh, Traylon Burks, I think, is the guy uh, from Arkansas. So okay. I think he's I think he's definitely one of the five, four, maybe even the three best receivers in the class. Receivers, interesting, Jeff. Like, it, because you have those those questions about the future with Higgins and Chase and who you're going to keep and like I think Boyd's only got a couple years left on his deal like at a certain point like that that's something that you you may have to consider and maybe if no one else you like is there and you can't trade back like would it be the worst thing in the world it might it wouldn't be ideal but I, I don't know it's yeah. like I mean that's that's the thing for me and I, I've already come to, to grips with it that this is uh Boyd's last contract with the Bengals. This is Mixon's last contract with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a slight chance that we might not be able to keep T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase. I mean, there, there is. I mean, oh, there's know, a definite chance. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stefan Diggs signed for 96 million freaking dollars. <laughs> like, that's a hell of a lot of money. And we got two guys that are, are just as good, if not better than him. Yeah. So it, they, they definitely have this core for the next two years. And I think that's like the window that everyone's right. attaching themselves to. Right. So I think even though I would still want to think in a long-term sense, like I, I still want a somewhat decent path to getting a guy onto the field and with a, a receiver in general, I, I don't think that path is there outside of like a three-year type window. And, and even and even then, like you still have to think about the value of a rookie contract and you're just basically nuking the first two years for a receiver when you're already getting a, a ton of production from your other three receivers to that point, you're going to pay at least one of them. So I think receiver is probably one of the positions where I, I just wouldn't do so at least this year. Yeah. Now I have a question now. If, if, okay, let's just say, not that I'm asking you to predict, but if you have, if you're with all your studying and everything, your best case scenario, what do you think, the Bengals will do at, at 31 and possibly the second or third round. Where, where do you think they're at? I, I think they want to go defense at 31. I, I think if certain things happen with the board, like they could see a path where they just screw it. Let's just take an offensive lineman and completely solidify that group. But I don't think that's necessarily the plan based off of everything that happened in free agency. I think they want, to take a cornerback to compete with Eli or to just develop behind him for a year. Or, and I think they want to either, either do that or a, a pass rusher of any kind. Like mm-hmm. they, they have a ton of guys at defensive end, but not a lot of proven guys. So right. if the right edge is there, I think he's definitely in play. If the right defense tackles there, I think he's in play. So I would bet that they go defense in the first round and they could easily go defense in the second round too. Like safety hundred percent is in the conversation as well. Like a guy like Dax, Dax Hill, who was a cornerback at Michigan, but he projects more as a safety. I think he's in the conversation. Lewis Seen, the guy from Georgia, I think he's in the conversation. So I, I would say a secondary player is getting drafted in the first two rounds and the pass rusher is getting drafted 
in the first three rounds and anything else outside of that, like a tight end for sure would be in the conversation outside of the first round. Um, but I, I think, yeah, a pass rusher and a, a secondary guy, a defensive back is getting drafted early. I would say. Now, the thing I keep, I keep saying too is uh, obviously all we always say is depending on how the board goes, but if there's not a guy there at 31 that they're that's on their board or they're like, Oh my God, we have to have this guy or there's guys that they like, you know, but he might not, you know, we might be able to go back and get somebody similar to him in the second round. I think there's a chance, and there's a pretty good chance because the Bengals like doing this. I think of trading back. Now, if you trade back, you're giving up, giving up that fifth year, which is a big deal. But if you trade back and you can get multiple picks, I think the Bengals, that might be in the mix for them too as well. Yeah, they only have, I say only, they have eight picks this year, and it's still kind of on the low side compared right. to where they t- typically like to be. And I, I think trading back from 31 is is always interesting because you think that it happens a lot, but it honestly kind of doesn't like outside of like the Seahawks because they never use the first round pick. <laughs> it, it doesn't always happen where teams trade out of the first round at the very end. It, you just think that it makes a lot of logical sense because teams want to trade back into the first round just to get that chance, but get that fifth year option on, on some players. But it doesn't always happen. It would make a lot of sense, but if it doesn't happen there, I would def I could definitely see it happening uh, some other time in the draft. Like they always trade down the second round, but again, trading down from like the forties or, or like thirties is different than trading down from from sixty three. So I, I would still bet that they end up with more than eight picks, but I, I wouldn't say that like trading down the first round is is a likelihood at this point, just because of how rare it is. Yeah, and, and sometimes the, the when you're drafting this low in the in the draft, it's more of a you know it's more of a dartboard. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. So sometimes you want to take you draft more guys and have a bigger swing at it to to get to get guys who could actually you know be productive players for you. You know, the more more players you have, the better shot you have of actually having guys who can can contribute. So the Bengals might be going that direction, and I keep saying it because they spent so much money on the on the defense. They're not. And I keep saying it. So they're not going to keep everybody for years down the road here they're going to have to replenish them and the defensive guys are the ones that the contracts are going to come up first so that's kind of where i I, why i keep going to back to they might trade back because they have to to keep this thing going we don't want to run into what we ran into what six years ago when we let whitworth and zeitler and sanu and jones and let them all go and we had nothing behind them that's what they want to i'm hoping avoid this time yeah i think ideally they want one of two scenarios first they they would love a 2020 scenario where like T Higgins was there and they had like a clear first round grade on him and they just pulled the trigger. Right. They even like wanted to take Logan Wilson there, but they couldn't pass up who they thought was like this bona fide first round guy in T Higgins. And obviously right. they were, they were right in that evaluation. Right. So I think that's what they want. They want someone to just fall there. And that happens every single year, at least yeah. to, at least to some team, like a guy who you don't expect just falls for whatever reason, teams just overlook him for whatever reason. But if that doesn't happen, if they if they feel like all of their top targets are gone, I think that then they would love to get a decent offer to move back and just to take advantage of that and to see who else falls, you know, 10 or eight or however many picks they trade back, um, back behind 31. So I think they would love one of those two scenarios because you're definitely still in a position to get a, a great player with that pick. It's just right. it's not guaranteed because you have no idea what's going to happen in the first 30 picks. Exactly. All right, John, we give you about 47 minutes. I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys go check him and AC out at the uh, OBI Orange and Black Insider Podcast and all the stuff that you do at Cincy Jungle. Um, I know you had an article out uh, a little while ago about Trey Flowers, and that's what got me excited that they they could have could sign him and it came to fruition that they did sign him well you got anything coming out here anytime soon 
Um, do I? <laughs> I, had, I had this one and that's been like on the backlog for a little bit. It might not, I might not even finish until after the draft. But other than that, man, I mean, we, we got all your news. We got all your analysis. We got everything related to Bengals draft and just Bengals in general. We got it like, all covered on CC Jungle. So just check us out there. Yeah, exactly. Check you guys out. Check out Mike Minnick. And then used to be Ace and Zim, but they're got their own stuff. They're doing Cincinnati. Go check them out too. Those are my boys. They're going to be on, I think, next Friday for me. I think week from tonight. Week they're from already tonight. killing it, man. I'm, I'm loving what they're doing. Oh, they're, awesome. they're, they're on their own, and they're, they're, they're making the most of it. I have n- nothing but the absolute most confidence that they're going to kill it. Exactly. Those are my dudes. All right, John. I appreciate you, man. Who day? I'll talk to you later, Jeff. See you, bud. Bye. All right, guys. As always, I hope you appreciate that as much as I did. Uh, John is awesome. Go check him out. Uh, him and Anthony Cazenza AC on the uh, Orange and Black Insider podcast. Also check out Mike Minnick, Coach Minnick on their podcast as well. They're always a good read and a good podcast to listen to. we got about three weeks, I think, until uh, the NFL draft hits. we got the Reds tonight. Will they go for two? And oh, do you believe yet? Do you people believe yet? I don't know. They look better than I thought they would last night, but it's one game. We'll see what happens. I'm watching again tonight. Let me get to the uh, Facebook groups that let me live stream, and I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home, Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trinopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. If you missed any of the interview with John the Brain Sheeran, you can listen to it on the podcast. If you're going to work, drive around this weekend, check it out. It's on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Give me a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are killing it. I love you guys. Uh, I am making some big strides. I'm at 1,550 subscribers. I'm trying to do a little bit more on the channel. I'm putting posts up, polls. I'm trying to do a, a little uh, five to ten minute video during the day on different uh, articles or different thoughts I had that uh, uh, we could talk about, uh, different news of the day. So make sure you guys are always checking out the channel, always checking me out on, like I said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And tell your friends, say your name. about sports with strawberry ice. Like I said, I'm trying to reach – 2,000 subscribers by the time the football season rolls around, which is September. Hopefully, I get that before then. That would be awesome, but who knows? Other than that, you guys have a wonderful weekend, and hopefully the Reds will win. That'd be awesome. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!
I just want the city streets East side stand up, west side stand up If you reppin' who they, time to put your hands up Dingle stripes, we in it, new day, new age, yeah, we get it Cincinnati jungle fitted, who they in our house, we win it Orange and black and white, we build it, earn our stripes, you know we kill it Bleed our colors, jungle drippin', nasty natty, yeah, we live it Lit the crowd, get the city loud, yeah, we feastin' now Cause when the 